Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome into a special edition JPP pod snippet where we talk all thing NBA free agency. We'll have a full Just Press Play pod coming later this week, but first we had to dive into an NBA free agency special. This week I'm joined by Oliver Maroney. He covers the NBA, the Big Three, and is also the host of the Positionless Podcast over on Ball is the Life. He sits down and talks all thing NBA, and then we get into the Big Three and Ice Cube and his relationship there and kind of why he loves covering the Big Three. First, before we get to the interview, I want to tell you about our friends over at SeatGeek. They take the confusion out of ticket buying for you. If you go on to SeatGeek, you never have to worry about getting a bad deal They have the green dots for good deals, the yellow dots for not as good deals, and the red dots for the deals you want to stay away from when you're looking at that little seat chart. So it really makes it to where you know you're getting a good seat. And right now, listeners of the JPP pod can get $20 off their first ticket. Just put in the promo code ACAA. That's ACAA for Armchair All-Americans. That's one of our uh, partners for on the podcast. So if you're looking for tickets to any kind of event, whether it be the NBA, the Big Three, show, Broadway play, whatever you're looking for, SeatGeek has the tickets for you. And right now you can get $20 off with the promo code ACAA. Again, I want to tell you, let you get to the interview now. Thanks again to Oliver for joining us. And here we go. Fired up. with the big three you have a podcast called positionless with ball is life uh oliver i really appreciate you coming on talking some hoops with me how's it going i'm doing well i'm doing well i'm excited to be on and uh thanks for having me yeah i mean there's a a ton coming down nba wise i do want to get a little uh talk a little big three with you here in a little while because i know you kind of are real plugged in over there but i guess starting off on the on the free agency thing we're recording this right now at 7:15 central and uh, I, I guess the biggest news to start off Kevin Durant deciding to join Brooklyn what, what was your initial thought when you saw that he was joining Kyrie and with the Nets well once you saw the Kyrie news hit then it was kind of evident and clear that potentially someone went, someone else had already decided to join that's when the Kevin Durant thing Uh, I think really started and I think a lot of people could tell that that was potentially where he was going to be headed so I'm still surprised I'm shocked that they got them both but um, as I've told a lot of people I think the Brooklyn Nets put themselves in the best position possible they have a great training staff medical staff coaching staff front office uh, hard nose like grinded out kind of players the type of culture that you want as an organization so while it is lucky that they got these two guys I think they made their own luck 
Yeah, I agree with you. It it does seem like they've they've built a a culture there in Brooklyn, and it, it's a good group all the way from the young players they have in the system to the coach and GM. And it, it seems like from from top down through top to the coach, they all seem like they're on the same page. And I think we long thought, and you kind of I think alluded to this, we've long thought Kyrie and KD could join together. And many obviously the thought was in New York with the Knicks, but that's something that the Nets just, they have that the Knicks didn't where it's, it's Jim Dolan. It's, it's the, it's the Knicks and that crazy front office and whether everyone's in line. I just think, I think at the end of the day, those two chose the, the certainty of a stable front office and coach over the, the New York Knicks, which is anything but stable. Is that, are you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, and I think even looking past just the organization, I mean, on top of it, just their treatment of players. I mean, even former players, you're looking at guys like Kristaps Porzingis. What happened there? Why did they just offload him the way they did? What about a guy like um, Charles Oakley, who they, you know, basically kicked out of the garden and was one of their legends, one of their guys? Um, You know, I think there's a – I think a lot of players look at that and they sit there and they say to themselves – why would I want to be a part of that situation when the Nets is just right across the river here, you know, in Brooklyn. And it makes that a lot easier um, for them. You know, I think getting into an organization that understands what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to be run, has a structure, and you know that they're going to take care of you is important. And I think players look at that over money, over a lot of other things. And Um, You know, I I think there's a lot of different decision-making factors that go into a free agency decision for a specific player. But I think for both Kyrie and Kevin Durant's sake, you're going to an organization that has the right pieces that didn't necessarily have that marquee quote-unquote name, and they're going there together to potentially do this while also bringing along DeAndre Jordan, one of their friends. So I think all in all, it's a win all around for them. And it seems like that could be the best place for them to be long-term as well. So I like the idea of it, and I think it makes a lot of sense from that respect and from the Knicks side of things. Take care of your players, and this doesn't happen. And I think that's probably more of the storyline that we've seen in the NBA over the past five, six, seven, eight years. You know, even the Lakers, people look at them, you know, they're distraught. They've got some dysfunction. Um, you know, obviously the Magic Johnson thing and all the other things that kind of came about with LeBron coming there last season. But when you look at their track record of taking care of guys, making sure that they're taken care of, they do a pretty good job of that. Contavious Caldwell Pope, yeah, and Kobe I think Bryant, that is, et cetera. Right, and I think that that is definitely something you're you're on a, a good point with that, and that's where I, I wonder, and maybe you have a thought on this. It seems like this is the umpteenth year ever since it was whatever it was back when LeBron in 2008 when LeBron chose to to go to Miami. We all thought there was a real chance he might go to New York, and ever since then, every time there's a big free agent, we think the Knicks are a, a possibility because everyone or someone would to go play in the garden. Someone would want to go revive New York and how much of a legend you would be. Do you think we put too much? Is it that narrative doesn't seem like it holds any water to the current NBA players. I don't think playing in Madison square garden garden is not near as important as, as we seem to think from the outside. Would you say that's correct? Uh, yeah, I definitely, I mean, look, it's, it's a, it's an arena. Um, you know, they play there every night, of course, or they play there for their home games. But I think when you're comparing apples to oranges, the thing that really matters is how an organization is going to take care of you, what money you're getting, how long you're going to be there, who you're going with, the players that you'll be around. And then 
maybe maybe let's just say, look, look if, if it was the Nets and the Clippers, let's just say. Both organizations have done it the right way. They have great cultures. They have a foundation that you can build off of, all these different things, all the different um, stepping stones uh, set up, ready for them. So in that respect, then you look at Brooklyn, then you look at L.A., and obviously Kevin Durant, New York is kind of his other home. He likes New York. He likes to be there. Kyrie, same thing. So I think that that's the reason that you see that happen. Now with the Knicks and the Nets, it's just not the same. You can't even compare the two, in my opinion. They're they're stratospheres away from each other in terms of how they've done business, how they conduct business, and how they do things. And you know how crazy it is, is because three years ago, we were sitting here looking at the Brooklyn Nets and saying, how the heck are they going to overcome all of this? They have no picks. They have no real foundational pieces. What are they going to do? And in three short years, they were able to change that. Obviously, they got a new owner. They have some new pieces involved. Jay-Z is involved. All these different pieces that weren't in play necessarily to begin with. And I think, obviously, you hire a new coach, new new executives from top to bottom. That is really the key um, to success. And it doesn't have to take a long time. And I think that's the next storyline here is to say, look, don't go after these big marquee free agents until you have a foundation, until you have the right things um, to sell. And when you do, then you can go after these guys and, and really start to be players. But until then, um, you're probably going to be doing what you're doing right now, which is seeing a guy like Julius Randle get almost 20 million a year or whatever it is over three years. Um, so I, I think that for the Knicks, they just need to realize, uh, that they can't go after these guys until they have shown and, um, have something that's that's trustworthy, that's honest, that's there, you know. And I think players do look at that. Well, all right, so the ripple effects now of Kyrie leaving, I, I think many of the fans down in Boston aren't too upset about Kyrie leaving this last year. I, I think a year ago, everyone was really excited about Boston, but this past year has been a train wreck, and it's not gone well between the young guys and Kyrie and Brad Stevens. And now – the, it looks like the Celtics are replacing Kyrie with Kimba Walker. They signed him to a four-year, $140 million deal. And we still don't know what's going to happen with Al Horford. But from that perspective, what do you think about the Kimba Walker to the Celtics? How do you think they feel moving forward? I mean, I think you got a pretty similar player. I don't think Kemba Walker to Kyrie Irving is that much of a drop-off or a change. And then you take into consideration the personality and the, the chemistry that could be involved with that sort of player. Look, Kemba's never really abound, been around players like the Celtics currently possess. You talk about Jason Tatum, you talk about Jalen Brown, some of these other guys, they're great. Uh, and so I, I think you're going to see a Kemba Walker that's more willing to um, pass the ball. And he's been a willing passer in the past. He just hasn't had the teammates to really go along with it to help him. So I, I really think it's a great fit. I, I think Brad Stevens is going to do wonders with the situation that they're in. Um, and hopefully they get Al Horford back. You know, that's kind of the rumbling now is the potential sign-and-trade possibility with Terry Rozier. Um, and then you look at, obviously, Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker, that three-way kind of cycle. Um, the potential for a sign-and-trade for Boston uh, may open up some of that cap space that they didn't necessarily have for Al Horford um, to potentially go out and offer him a four-year deal and, and see how much money they can throw at him. But you know, right now, as it stands, I think the Celtics are in a pretty good position. I think maybe a week ago, we were all thinking, what were they going to do? Who are they going to sign if they were going to sign anybody? And if not, 
you know, this team that we once looked at as like should be a perennial finals contender every single year is now going down the drain as kind of maybe a first round exit in the playoffs year after year because they're losing guys and not necessarily gaining the assets that we thought we want, they once had. So it'll be interesting to see, but I, I like the moves that the Boston Celtics have made so far. You know, that Kimball Walker signing to me is is so so impressive. I, a lot to me I see it's – he almost seems like the combination or the mix between where Isaiah Thomas was at his best and Kyrie at his best where I think he can just thrive in Brad Stevens' offense playing off, as you said, much better players than he's played with in his career. I, I know Tatum and, and Brown are still young, but they're just way better than I feel like anyone – maybe I think the best player he's probably ever played with might – be out Jefferson at the maybe and now he goes into the system where he can offensively be what Isaiah Thomas was with the Celtics in that year where he was in the MVP race and I think he's not the limitations quite that Isaiah was Kimba's no great defender but he's not going to be just a complete uh, limitation on defense and then like you said the chemistry wise obviously something wasn't right between Kyrie and those young guys and from all I don't know you might know more, maybe. I don't even know. You might have talked to him or so, but it seems like from the the, the rumor around the NBA, Kimba just seems like an awesome locker room guy and a great leader and the complete opposite of what Kyrie Irving is. Would you agree? Does it does that fit, same there? Yeah. No, I mean, uh, Kimba Walker is um, is a stand-up guy. I mean, like, obviously, what he does around the community, what he does for, for his hometown – um, just how he's been able to uh, conduct himself. I mean, I look at him similarly to what I look at Damian Lillard. He's always said the right things. He's always done the right things. He's always acted calm, cool, and collected, even in times where you don't think he should be. And um, the fact that the Charlotte Hornets weren't willing to give him the, the dollar figure that you thought they would give him uh, says a lot about that organization and, and obviously where they're at. Um, so, I think he's a great guy, a uh, great locker room guy, somebody who a lot of players like um, and a lot of players will want to play with. And I think that that's going to be a draw to obviously Boston. And I think you add in the fact that Danny Ainge has been there for a long period of time. Same thing that we're talking about with all these teams that are going to win in free agency. It's culture. It's an identity. It's the organization from top down has the same messaging across the board. Uh, they're all the same things. And it's not like too hard to put together, but for whatever reason in the NBA, you have so many egos and so many different things involved that there aren't many organizations that are run as well as a Boston, as well as a Houston, as well as, you know, you look down the list, Brooklyn, LA Clippers. Um, I'd put the Portland Trailblazers in that mix and now the New Orleans Pelicans, New, New Orleans Pelicans in that mix as well. Um, Dallas Mavericks. There's just not that many. There's a handful and then the rest are kind of, left flailing trying to do what they can with what they have so i think really it's it's something that is starting to be a trend around the league is to make sure that they're investing teams are investing in these front offices but to your point about kemba kemba's just an amazing guy um personally i've only talked to him once but he's a stand-up guy uh, just literally one of the nicest people you'll meet um and, and like i said i reckon him to a guy like damian lillard um, a, a guy like Steph Curry, uh, well-liked in the media, well-liked in the community, well-liked by everybody that he talks to, anybody who's around, he'll take pictures with, you know, it's those sort of guys just resonate no matter who you are, no matter what player you are. 
uh, the ability to take that time out, the ability to recognize who you are, where you are in those situations is extremely important and vital. And I think Kemba definitely has it. Yeah. And I think that's just exactly what the Celtics team needed. And like we talked about, it's just all the different things through this uh, past season, where there was, seemed like there was mixed messages going to the media and Kyrie said this, this week, and then this, this week. And now there's these shots where I, I think it was the, they talked about Kimball Walker and he mentioned, I don't know why we don't double team him like other teams do this. He does this to us every time, just ta- almost taking shots at different, whether it's the players or coaches there. And that's something that Kimball Walker just that I've ever seen has never done and probably won't do. It's just not in him. He's just a good teammate and good guy. And I don't think you can find a bad thing about him. And, just like we talked about taking care of your players, you mentioned this earlier and why maybe the Knicks strike out a lot. What does this say about the Charlotte Hornets? I mean, what do you do? How do you, how do you look your fan look at your fans and tell them you're trying to do something with this team where if you know you're not going to offer Kimba the max, then you know it's probably likely he's going to walk. Why would you not trade him for at least something? Now you lose Kimba Walker for for nothing. I just don't understand what the Hornets are doing and I don't understand. I mean, MJ, as great as he is as a player, the Hornets seem like they're terribly run, as bad as it probably is in the NBA. Would you? What, what do you think? Yeah, the, the it's it's bad. Um, this situation and this scenario is not good either. I mean, they just don't really have many options. Obviously, at least they got something back in return for Kemba Walker because they could have been left without anybody. Um, right, but and Rozier. Terry Rozier. Yeah, you know, at least you get somebody back, but at $18 million a season, it's it's quite a pretty penny to pay for somebody who we haven't really seen be in any sort of starting caliber role for a long period of time. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays, but the problem is, is the, you know, the Hornets have been cap-strapped for quite some time now with some of these big contracts they've doled out and some of the misses they've made. I mean, you talk about Michael Kidd Gilchrist, even Nicholas Batum, who we thought may be Somebody I thought that would be worth that money, but maybe not in that system or or, or with that team. Um, he hasn't really necessarily lived up to his full potential, and, and how could he? You know, with the players they've surrounded him with, Frank Kaminsky, a guy that they <laughs> drafted just a few short seasons ago, right. now is an unrestricted free agent. That's crazy. I mean, that it, that shows you kind of where they are as an organization and how far they need to come. Hopefully, they can get it turned around. But yeah, they, he just hasn't really shown too much signs of competency so far uh, with the Hornets. Yeah, and and they did the thing where they blew it up and they tanked to try to get to, in the Anthony Davis draft. That was kind of what they were going for, and they ended up getting Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. And for for whatever for whatever reason, he just has not it, – it didn't work out. It wasn't worth the tanking they did to get Kidd-Gilchrist. And it looks like now it's time to and start over. And part of it is just being lucky. And speaking of being lucky, a team that did was – the Bucks when they got Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I was really – they were probably the most fascinating team to me in this free agency because I wanted to see what they would do because I think what they did in this offseason was going to have ramifications when Giannis is up to be extended. And they retained Chris Middleton on a five-year $178 million deal. It seems like a lot of money, but I think they had to, to bring back the, the former All-Star but they lose Michael Brock, and they also keep Brook Lopez. But they lose Malcolm Brogdon to, to the Indiana Pacers. What do you think? How big of a loss do you think that is? And how, how do you see the Bucks moving forward next year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a big loss. I think it's an underrated loss. Somebody, um, 
you know, look, uh, Brogdon just provides so much to that team. And I think it's, he's, he was a valuable player to that team and, and their playoff run and not just their playoff run, but overall, just the regular season, having a guard that can defend as well as he can. Um, and the way that he shot the ball last season, uh, is, is vital. I mean, you have to have guards in this league that can make shots and also defend. And there's just not many of them that play two ways like a Brogdon. So to lose him, but to still end up with some of these guys, you know, talk about Brooke Lopez, you talk about Chris Middleton coming back, uh, George Hill now coming back, it sounds like as well. So you get those three guys back in the locker room. Hopefully George Hill can, can play to his full potential with Milwaukee over the next couple of seasons. And maybe they're back to close to what they were last season. And in hopes that, you know, a, a team like Toronto maybe loses out on Kawhi Leonard to maybe a Lakers or the Clippers um, who are still rum- rumored to potentially get him. So maybe that's their hope. Uh, maybe that's the play all along. And if so, I think Milwaukee's in a prime position to be the, the leaders out East, at least to, to begin with here in, in the start of next season. Yeah. And, it seems like the the big dominoes still left to fall are obviously Kawhi Leonard, as you mentioned, and then there's Jimmy Butler, and then I would say probably D'Angelo Russell. But where do you see the hierarchy? Tobias Harris decided to stay with the Sixers. Who do you see as, I guess, the the favorite? And can you pick a favorite right now in the East or, or some of the top teams? Like, do do the Celtics have a real shot at being maybe the favorite in the East if Kawhi were to leave Toronto and Jimmy Butler to leave 76ers? Uh, potentially. I still think the 76ers are going to be really good. If, if they can negotiate a long-term deal with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and then you throw in Tobias Harris in like that third option role instead of a fourth option role, I think that really changes things and changes the dynamic of that team. I think Harris was kind of limited in the way that he was used, and I just hope that that coaching staff finds a way to use him more. Um, hopefully with that contract, they do. Um, but uh, I think they're definitely in the running. I think Milwaukee Bucks is going to be there. Uh, I also think the Orlando Magic are a team that we shouldn't necessarily sleep on. They're bringing back a lot of their guys. They just signed another wing in Al Farouk Amino, who's a, a great defender. Um, if they can start putting together some some wins in terms of their draft picks, you know, you talk about a guy like Mo Bamba um, and some of their other younger players. Uh, if they can come along and develop, I think they have a pretty good core and they have a lot of depth. And, you know, you saw that in the Eastern Conference, how important depth is to this game, specifically with the Toronto Raptors and Fred Van Vliet and what he was able to accomplish, along with some of their other role players. Um, so I think it's vital to have depth. And I think, you know, you look at the Boston Celtics and they've got a lot of it, too. Um, they've got Jason Tatum, you, you know, obviously Jalen Brown, uh, Kemba Walker, uh, Gordon Hayward finally off of his knee or off of his leg injury and and hopefully returning to full strength this next season. So if they retain a guy like Al Horford, I think they should be the favorites just because of what they're returning and what they're adding in a guy like Kemba Walker and potentially getting back to that um, Boston Celtics kind of identity. So I think they should be up there at the top along with you know Toronto along with you know, Milwaukee. Um, and then Brooklyn, you, you have to throw them in the mix just because now they have Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, obviously you throw in guys like Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, some of the other pieces that they have on that team. I think they're going to be really, really good for a long period of time as well. So there's a lot of teams out east now, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see, especially that top like six to seven teams, where they lie and where they end up at the end of the season. Yeah, it it's interesting. We we. We've gone off a stretch now before Toronto won this past finals where it's been just 
with Kevin Durant at the Warriors, it's been all right. We got to wait another another year. Every year the league starts, we just assume. Now we're waiting for the Warriors to win the finals yet again, and now I feel like we're we're the parity is at an all time high at least in recent years. I there's a lot of teams I could see on both sides uh, making a run at the finals now, and a team out west that I love the moves they've been doing, and it it's that I'm can't wait to watch them next year is going to be. Utah Jazz now trading for Mike oh, yeah. Conley and getting Bogdanovich. You actually talked to Mike Conley on your podcast not too long ago. I feel like a month or so ago, maybe probably a month ago. Yeah. What What do you think about? I mean, I just I can't wait to watch Mike Conley in a bigger market, and I I think he's just we've lost sight. We forgot about him a little bit after the the Grizzlies fell off after Zach Randolph and that 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 team kind of dissipated. So. What do you think about that Bogdanovich hire? I mean, that starting lineup is a very formidable lineup, right? I would pick them to win the NBA championship if it was right today, really? right now. Yeah, I would. I, I think that they're the most complete team in the NBA on paper as it stands right now. And I think a guy like Mike Conley adds just a complete another dimension to this team. I think the, the fact that people are talking about Mike Conley the way that they do right now kind of bothers me. You know, obviously he's got this big contract, and I know that a lot of people have, have – kind of labeled him underrated, but I don't think people understand how much he does on the defensive side of the ball to pair with how good he has been offensively the past few seasons. And if you can add that guy, that player, with a guy like Donovan Mitchell, it unlocks a lot of things that the Utah Jazz haven't been able to unlock since Donovan Mitchell was drafted. Because you start thinking about how much of a load that Donovan has had to hold on his shoulders the past couple of seasons. And it's too much for any one player. I don't care who you are, whether you're Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, doesn't matter. Nobody should be able to have that burden offensively. And when you get to the playoffs, defenses start to tighten up and Donovan Mitchell, obviously, you know, he he gets neutralized in a sense because of how heavy they lean on him for their offense. So adding a guy like Mike Conley and then Bogdanovich on top of it, um, I think this team is going to be a serious threat to anybody in the Western Conference and to anybody in the league. And I think that they've got not only the experience, the depth, the coaching um, to potentially do it. Now, do I think that they, you know, at this current moment, um, that's that's where I lay. I, I think that they're probably, in my opinion, they're, they're, that would be my team if I was to pick a team for the championship. But it's early, obviously, and I don't know how they're going to play. I don't know all the logistics and, and the things that they're going to implement. But I do have a lot of faith in this team and this Utah Jazz team that has developed and grown over the years. I think it's just going to get better. And I'm really excited. Like you said, Mike Conley really has been under the radar um, for the past couple of seasons since they got rid of that grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies um, kind of motto and team. And now in Utah, he gets a chance to kind of showcase himself again. And I think – you know, the one thing that was really telling when we spoke uh, about a month ago was his desire to win a championship over everything else. It didn't matter about money. It didn't matter about where he was, big city, small city, whatever. I said, what is the one thing in your career that you still haven't accomplished that you want to accomplish or get? And it was a championship. And that was point blank, simple, period. Doesn't matter about all-stars, all-NBAs, nothing else. It's about championships. So for me, I think it's a perfect fit. I think that Utah is going to be like I said, one of the front runners, and I wouldn't be shocked at all to see them hoist that trophy at the end of the season. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I, there's just 
like we talk about, say Donovan Mitchell. I don't know if if you don't want to classify him a star yet. If someone doesn't, I can maybe understand that. But he's right on. If he's not a star yet, he's right on the edge, waiting to butt into it. And I think you're 100 percent right. I mean, he's only in his second year, and he was the guy and had the whole franchise on his shoulders. And now, I think you saw that late in games, especially against the Rockets, where it was. Donovan Mitchell had to create, he had to score or create for someone every time in the fourth quarter. And now you have, not only do you have Rudy Gobert, who's one of the best centers in the game and the the defensive player of the year, but on the offensive end, you have either Conley, Bogdanovich, or Mitchell. Any, Any one of those three can get you a bucket in any possession. And then when they're not getting you a bucket, all three of those are knockdown shooters that are going to space the floor. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, think they are definitely a real threat to the Warriors in in the West or to anybody or the Rockets, depending on what they can do. I, I really like what they're doing. I think the next big domino to fall out of the, the next tier of free agency after we get from Kawhi and all that is I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens with D'Angelo Russell. And especially as I, I, I've kind of followed the Mavericks the most closely and, and D'Angelo Russell was someone I was really interested in for them because I think age-wise it kind of fits that group. But there's the, the the rumblings and the rumors kind of going around about Minnesota. I don't know how the, they'll have to get rid of Wiggins, I think, in that contract. But what do you think about D'Angelo Russell right now as as a player and how coveted should he be and, and where do you think his possible landing spot could be and, and what that could do for said team? I mean, at 23 years old, you can't really ask for much more in a player than D'Angelo Russell. I mean, he's pretty much a surefire thing, in my opinion, in terms of what you're getting. You're getting, you know, 25 and 5 a night, basically. Uh, and you know that on, on fairly decent efficiency. Obviously, I think the free throw attempts is kind of a concern, but something that easily could be erased with more experience in the league. He's developed and grown leaps and bounds year over year, and he's going to continue to do so for the next few years. And I think, you know, when we look back, I think we're going to look at this Brooklyn Nets decision where. Kyrie and D'Angelo, uh, you know, that whole situation with the Nets, the the option to get one or the other. Uh, I think we're going to look back and say, man, it would have been cool to see D'Angelo Russell with Kevin Durant and DeAndre Jordan. I know that's not going to be necessarily the case because I know that part of the reason Kyrie went to Brooklyn was probably because Kevin Durant was going there. So I understand the reason for getting Kyrie Irving and swapping him out for D'Angelo Russell because that's part of the ploy to potentially get Kevin Durant, and that, that's how that happened. But I think in the long term, when we look back on this, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, we'll say, man, I wish we would have gotten to see D'Angelo Russell in the Nets uniform with those guys. But, you know, he is um, – I have had a chance to speak with him multiple times, and, like, one of the most misunderstood, I think, NBA players that I've seen – you know, genuinely cares, wants to win, wants to do well, and for whatever reason has been written, it was written off to begin with, you know, with the Lakers uh, and moving forward. And once he got to the Nets, obviously, he was given an opportunity and a chance that he wasn't given in L.A., and he he really, really succeeded in it. And I think that any team going into free agency knows that this is probably the next best guy on the list. And I think – you know, because of his age, he's very valuable in comparison to the rest of these guys on this list. I, I would put him head and shoulders above basically any other free agent available out there, aside from Kawhi Leonard, just based on his age and what he's been able to accomplish already in his young career. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to agree with you. I just think that that's when, like, you get Jimmy Butler. Sure, that's great, but I don't think Jimmy Butler's getting better at this point in his career. Maybe he still has a year or two at, at top level, but he's going to start declining. Whereas Russell, we might not even – I mean, he had a great year this past year. was an all-star, and this may just be the start of it. This could be the start of a great career. And I just love watching a guy that has – it seems like they add stuff in the offseason and get better each offseason, and that's something I've, I've noticed with Russell. I did kind of – I was one of the people, like you mentioned, I – Wrote him off a little bit in that Lakers tenure. I, did, I still thought they gave him away for way too – wait, not near enough when they gave him to Brooklyn to get off that Mozgov contract. But he has just impressed me, the growth that he has had as a player. And, yeah, he's 23 years old. You sign him to a five-year deal, he's not even – he might not even be in his prime by the time he gets out of that deal. And he'll probably be looking at another uh, max contract. I, I'm really interested, interested to see where he goes and what kind of impact he'll have on, on the league as a whole. Um, I wanted to shift gears with you a little bit and talk to you a little bit about the big three. And I know you do a lot with the big three. You're all over it and you're, you're writing and covering it and talking about it all the time. And it's Ali. I don't know if, if people have followed as closely, but I wanted to mainly just ask you about, I know you sat down and talked with ice cube not too long ago. And we, we've seen more in the in the NFL and football, all these different leagues, people try to start it up and they just don't last and they flame out. What is what is it about Ice Cube? It seems like the big three, not only has it got better every year, but better people are getting in it, better players. They, the games are better or more fun to watch. I mean, what is it about the big three that's so great and Ice Cube in general? Um, well, I have had the pleasure to know Ice Cube for the past like four ish years. And uh, honestly, the one thing that you can talk to anybody in his inner circle about is the amount of success that he has in whatever he decides to do. Uh, whether that's music, whether that's movies, whether that's acting, whether that's writing, directing, whatever it may be, this was obviously an entirely different venture but also one that he is fully invested in. And you can just tell um, he works nonstop 24 uh, seven. I mean, I think the answer that he's given me multiple times is there's just not enough hours in the day to do that. All the things that he wants to do. Um, but I think what's great about the big three is it gives not only players that you thought may have been done in the NBA, but it also gives players that didn't really get that chance or that opportunity fully because of, whatever it may be. I mean, you look at a guy like Royce White, there's a lot of mental health um, questions about him. And I think he's answered those. And, you know, he was basically moved out of the NBA because of some news and discussion and things around um, him that uh, were false in a sense. And so he's now out to prove himself. And I mean, you look at a lot of these guys, Larry Sanders, the same thing. Um, and so I think, you know, there, there's, there's a reason, not only is it, you know, just that, but there are just guys in the league that you just find yourself gravitating towards. There's either some nostalgia behind them, you know, a guy like Katino Mobley, I grew up watching now he's playing in the big three, he's still balling out and doing the same things. I think the three on three setting helps, uh, it makes it a lot more intriguing and interesting. And then I think the personalities and the characters too. I mean, it, it is entertainment, right? And you get guys like Chris Birdman, Anderson, and um, some of these other names, Charles Oakley, Stephen Jackson, et cetera, in the league. And they just smack talk and just have fun with it. And there's just a different atmosphere around it 
that I've never necessarily seen in basketball before. So for me, it's like, it's the most real true way to watch basketball. Um, it's the most popular sport in the world is three on three basketball. Um, and the popular, popular, uh, way to play basketball is three on three basketball. And I think that, you know, ice cubes capitalized on not only this nostalgia, um, but just, just the entertainment value of having these guys in a league where they can ball out, play, have fun, enjoy it, and still have a competitive attitude and nature to it. So this whole league is really, really fun. I call it my extended family because I really enjoy traveling and going to the games and being at the arenas and being with these guys. Um, they're, they're genuinely happy and excited to be a part of it. And that's what makes it so different from a lot of these other startup leagues is all of these players are there to help push the league forward. And they know that and they understand it and they understand their reach and their power um, to do so. So I think all of it kind of gets combined, but I just love the product that they put on the court. And then not only that, um, there's just a lot of different innovative things that he's done. I mean, you talk about for people who haven't seen, you got the four point shot. Uh, there's a circle. You have to have one foot on the circle in order to, for it to count as a four point shot. Um, if you get fouled on the three point line, it's a three point shot for three points. It's not three free throws. Um, so there's just a lot of like unique, innovative ways that they've come up with to kind of excite and entertain basketball fans. And you also add in the fact that they're able to change rules on the fly. I think I, I used the reference of season one. The first week, I think the games were to 60 initially. And then after that first week, they realized that it was just a little bit too long. So they changed it to 50. They can do that. This is their own league. They can change the rules. And I think that's what's great about it because they're always learning and always trying to grow and develop and make this game the best that it can possibly be. And I think you know, Ice Cube's just breaking down barriers to make this a worldwide uh, sport and something that can be considered, you know, one of the four greatest American sports that we have today. Well, and I think one thing you hit on that has to be a big part of the success of of the big three is is I've heard you mention this a bunch when talking about it, but the, the family and, and how close it is to everybody. And that's, you see these other startup leagues like, most recently the AAF in football where it, it, it suspended football operations. And then you see players didn't get paid. And some of the players didn't even get a ride back, like a, a flight back to their home. It, it seemed like there was more people in it for the dollar signs and not as much in it for the, the family and the closeness and the togetherness. And I think the big three is the opposite where, yeah, they're, they, they want to succeed and, and they want the dollar signs and the revenue to come in. But it's also just, a family where they want each other. They're, they're there for each other. And ice cubes there for the players, just as much as he's there for the fans, just as much as he's there for the dollar signs on TV. I mean, that's something that's different between this league and the other ones where they're just trying to cash in where I think it seems like ice cubes created a, a fun, enjoyable format to go play in and be a part of and watch, I think too. And that's something that, it, it's unique and it's really cool. I, I, I love the big three and I think it's, it, it continues to grow on me more and more in each year. And this year it's the most fun for me. I, I especially being uh, someone who loves the university of Arkansas, I've always loved Joe Johnson and see Joe Johnson playing in the big I three. Saw Joe. I love it. And he's tearing it up. The big three is just fun. And I think it's cool. And I love what you do with it. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, 
Oliver, I'll, I'll let you get out of here on this, but I wanted to uh, real quick, we talked about a couple of the people you mentioned on uh, that, that you've talked to on your pod, whether it be ice cube or Mike Conley or Royce white. And I think most recently, was it Shams? Did you have Shams on? Yeah. Sh- Shams Serenia. Yeah. Shams. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. There's always good guests in there. Where, where can people find uh, your podcast? Well, it's on ballslife.com. Uh, you can check out all the episodes there. Uh, it's on SoundCloud under the uh, Ball is Life podcast network. Uh, and just type in positionless. Uh, it's pretty simple. It's one word, positionless. iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you find your audio and music and whatever else, it'll be there. And uh, we have more great guests coming every week. You know, I've just uh, it's it's really about storytelling and making sure people understand where people come from and, and how they got to where they are. It's not necessarily going to be something where it's current topics and news all the time, but. You know, with Shams, we touch on a little bit of free agency, but overall, I mean, it's it's really about his story and kind of how he got to where he is. So, if you're interested in that sort of thing, check it out. Uh, positionless, all one word, and uh, you can follow, subscribe, however you want to listen to it. And uh, yeah. All right, Oliver, I really appreciate, it, and I can't wait to to hear your next your next podcast. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks a lot for having me. All right, I do want to say thank you once again to Oliver Maroney. You can find all of his work over on ballislife.com. He's the host of the Positionless Podcast. You can find that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Store, wherever you get your pods. And Oliver also covers and writes about the big three. You can find him on Twitter at omaroneymba. Uh, I, I appreciate Oliver sitting down with me, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. By the way, that podcast was brought to you by SeatGeek. If you want to go catch any of those big three games or maybe you want to catch an NBA game or anything, you can go over to SeatGeek.com. And right now, if you put the promo code ACAA in, you can get 20 bucks off your first ticket. That's ACAA for Armchair All-American. SeatGeek makes ticket buying easy. It takes all the hassle out for you. And all you got to do is find the best ticket. All right, thanks, Oliver, and thank you to all for joining us, and I will see you a little later this week for a full JPP Pod episode.